the effort that we need to make the most in life, the effort that we need to put forth, the work that we need to do the most is about entering into the rest of Jesus, entering into the, the, the peace of Christ and allowing God to truly be that living and active God that he promises that he is and will be in our lives if we give him the opportunity to. You don't need to work to provide. God says, work to be with me and I'll provide everything you need. Hey guys, thanks for coming back. We are at part two, talking about God's rest. Uh, this has been something huge in my life. Uh, I want to tell you up front, this conversation is one of those conversations that could be a game changer for your life and in your relationship with Jesus, uh, in your marriage, and your family, everything, the idea of Sabbath rest, learning how to rest in Christ, take advantage of the rest that he has accomplished on the cross. It's a game changer. So I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen multiple times. And also every time, if this means something to you, if it's add value to your life, please give somebody else that same opportunity by sharing it. Copy this link, share it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, uh, copy the link, share it to your, your wife, your spouse, your husband, your kids, your family, your small group, your house, church, get it out there. Give God the opportunity to use it in someone else's life. Um, so I'm going to get right into it. We're talking about the Sabbath rest um, at the first session, this is part two. If you haven't listened to the first session, this is definitely one of those where if, if this is the, if you're haven't, you missed the first part, you almost need to go back and listen to part one before you get into part two. Uh, but if you're like me, sometimes I don't always do that. I just kind of want to listen to what I'm listening to. So I, I want to catch you up in 10 seconds really fast. I'm going to read this to you. This is what we basically went through in the first section Hebrews 4 it talks about the Sabbath rest the the possibility and the promise more importantly the promise that God has made to us that there is a rest available in our lives now and forever in our relationship with Jesus and he calls it the Sabbath rest and the idea of the Sabbath rest simply this I'm just going to read this to you understanding the Sabbath rest exists from the completion of work not the tiredness of work God was finished when he created the world, not worn out. So the Sabbath rest exists in our life and in general because as God the creator created the world, he was finished. And when he was, he was so finished that he rested on the last day. He, didn't, he wasn't worn out. He wasn't tired. He was finished. He was done. It was accomplished. So he rested in the same way a painter uh, is creating and painting a beautiful masterpiece. He gets to the point that the masterpiece is complete. It's finished. So he puts down the paintbrush and he stops creating, not because he's tired of painting, but because he's done and he's finished. That's what the Sabbath rest is. And, and the way that Paul and the Holy Spirit's teaching us in Hebrews 4, in the same way, just as the Sabbath rest existed in the Old Testament because of his creating work being finished, the new Sabbath rest exists because his saving work was finished on the cross of Jesus Christ. So the creator stopped creating because he was done. Therefore, he rested. And Jesus Christ's work on the cross was so final and so finished that now he rested. And that that rest is what we're talking about. That rest, Jesus being so done with his work on the cross and so done with anything that needed to be accomplished in terms of us living with Christ and having a relationship with the Father, it's so done that there is a rest now. That's all there is. There's a rest. And the Bible says that just like Christ rested from his works, we now rest in Christ, finished with our works as well. 
And that's the conversation for today, how we get there, how we live in that, that place. Because he makes this statement in verse 11. This is the key verse for today. Um, I'll start with verse uh, 10. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So I want to I want to read this as Hebrews 4:11 one more time. This is the key scripture for today. We're going to hang out right here. Let us, that means you and me, the believers, followers of Jesus, let us therefore because God's rest is available to us and Jesus's work was finished and accomplished. Therefore, because that rest is there, let us make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one, me and you, that we will not fall by following their example of disobedience. So I want to address this because he's not saying that the entering the rest is not possible because of disobedience. Okay, He's talking to people who have already been saved and therefore have entered the rest. We put our faith in Jesus. We're in a relationship with God. Every work that needs to be finished is finished. And now we're in a relationship with Jesus. We're in a relationship with the Father. And now he's making the statement. Because you're there, because you're saved, because you put your faith in Jesus, understand all the work has been done. So like God rested from his works, you need to learn how to rest from your works and make every effort to enter in and live in this rest so that you don't do like the people of Israel did in the desert by following their example of disobedience. There's primarily just one pinpointed example of disobedience that we're discussing here in this moment. It's not just the sins. It's not just disobeying God like they did over and over and over again. Their one primal act of disobedience was that they did not trust God and therefore did not enter into the promised land. That is what that first generation did. That was their great sin. That was their great act of disobedience. God said, I am with you. I brought you out of Egypt. I've brought you through the desert. I've led you to this point. You've seen my work. You've seen my power. You've seen all I can do. You hear my voice. And I am telling you, you cross the Jordan River. You enter into the promised land, the place of rest. I will drive out the enemies. I will do all the work. I will protect you. And you will live in my rest and in my promise for the rest of your lives and basically for eternity as well. And they chose not to go into the promised land and live in the promised land and live in the promises of God and live in the rest of God because they chose to not believe God. They chose to not trust God. They chose to not believe that it was all done, that the promise had been accomplished, that, that he would in fact drive out the enemies, that he would in fact provide for him, for them. They would, that he would in fact be the one who led them, guided them, provided, protected them. He, they did not believe that he would do this. And so because they did not believe this, they disobeyed by not going into the promised land and instead decided to go back out and live in the desert and stay dependent on themselves. So this is the point. This is the, what he's, he's addressing, what he's trying to get at. He's, he's saying that to make every effort to live in this rest and to enter this rest and to not do what the people of Israel did means that in every area of our life, we have to learn to trust God. We have to learn to trust 
every ounce of him. We have to learn to trust when he says, I'm going to provide, that I'm going to provide for you. We have to trust when he says, I'm going to fight for you, that he's going to fight for us. We have to trust that when he says, I'm going to lead you and guide you and let you know and teach you and that he's going to do that. Because if we don't trust that, then we will start to do the work for ourselves on our own, independent of God. And that, that, is the definition of not entering in and living in that rest. So I'm going to break it down really fast. I'm going to put it in our day-to-day life, and I'm going to give you an example uh, in Jesus' life to kind of show this too. So this is what I'm saying is, in my life, okay, in my life, I'm the pastor of a church. I lead this church. It's a growing church. It's becoming a larger church. The responsibilities um, are, are expanding greatly. Uh, the numerical amount of, of people that we're leading is, is expanding greatly. The ministries are expanding greatly. Therefore, the needs are expanding greatly. There's, there's more responsibility now than there ever has been. There's more need of resources now than there ever has been. Uh, there's, there's, there's more uh, hours to put in by everybody on the team than there has been. We, we have the largest team we've ever had. I'm leading all of them. Uh, there's, there's so much. So in my life, I, if I don't trust God, when God says, let me be the one who builds the church, I, I, I trust that about God. I trust that about Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to build the church. I'm going to expand it. I trust that God says, I'm going to provide for you. And so the way that I enter into the rest and I live in this rest is I actually believe in, in my mind and in my heart, I believe God will, in fact, provide everything that we need. I believe that. And so this is the part where I, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Because I truly believe that, I'm not spending the majority of my time trying to figure out how we're going to pay for things, trying to figure out how we're going to get more people in the sanctuary, try to figure out how we're going to expand our technology to keep up with the growing amount of small groups and house search. I'm not going to uh, work and worry and, and be anxious about, you know, how, how we're going to be able to fund all of the ministries that we do and the, the homeless ministries and, and, and partner with all the groups and the nonprofits that we partner with in our community. I'm not, I don't sit around and our staff doesn't sit around. We don't sit around and, and work constantly trying to make sure that, that everything's going to be taken care of. Because I trust God. I trust God. I know that where my responsibility ends and where God's responsibility begins. I know that it's my job to steward what he puts in, in front of me, to, to be wise with what he puts in front of me. But I don't have to be anxious about it. I don't have to worry about it. And, and there's a rest in this. There's a peace in this. I trust God to provide. So this is a practical. I mean, I, I want to give you just a practical piece of my life. Five, six years ago, I was not there. I really didn't. I wanted to believe God and I wanted to believe that he would provide, but I didn't inside. And it was proof and evidence that I didn't really trust him on this level because I was constantly working hard to manage the budget and to, and to, and to not hire people when we probably needed to hire people because I wanted to save money and make sure that we had it. Um, we, we cut certain things short. We weren't as generous with the community out of fear, if I'm just being honest. Um, we, I, I felt like I had, to, I had to go in and work six different jobs. There was a season as a pastor of the church where I was running like what is now four full-time positions. I was running all four of them by myself. I was spinning my wheels. I was constantly busy. I was working like crazy. I was worried all the time about certain things. It was just anxiousness. I was just, I, I was just there and I wasn't in a good place. That, was, that is the example from five years ago in my life versus right now. That is the, the primary difference of living in God's rest and not living in God's rest. I trust God to provide so I don't have to worry about it. 
Back then, I, I wanted to trust God to provide, but I really didn't, and so I didn't enter that rest. The same deal with, with leadership. The same deal with, with my family and in my marriage. You know, I, I trust God. And I want to move down into a little bit more spiritual things. The same thing with my sanctification. You know, I used to believe. I, I used to believe because I, I wasn't mature in the Word of God yet. I used to believe that, that you know, God's salvation is grace that God's salvation is grace, that the work of Christ is, is grace and mercy and righteousness, and I can't earn my salvation. And I believe that from day one. That's the gospel. But no matter what I may have said up here, in my heart and in my mind, I felt like my sanctification was kind of on me, that my transformation was kind of on me, that I needed to go in and I needed, I needed, to, work, I needed to become perfect today. Like I needed to, I needed to, to work and to be better. And I, I, need, I kind of put my... My, the righteousness kind of on my back. Like, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to work it out and I'm, I'm going to be the best and I'm going to be holy and I'm going to do this and I'm not going to mess up and I'm not, and I kind of, and I'll kind of work through this and I just kind of put, in reality though, the Bible doesn't, the Bible teaches a polar opposite. The Bible teaches that we don't really have the capacity uh, to sanctify ourselves, that it's the working of the Holy Spirit inside of us that exposes things and teaches things and shows us things and teaches us the righteousness and, and then empowers us to walk in it. And, and that, that the two different lifestyles are significant. And so like for me, five, six, seven years ago, even as a pastor of a church, I felt like that my effort was required for sanctification. It's not. It, there's a surrender that has to take place, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that actually transforms us into the image of Jesus. So what is our responsibility to do this of what what? is being right here. Our responsibility, the effort that we have to make is to enter into that rest, to really trust God and say, God, I know that I, I, I need your help. I can't be sanctified in my own effort. The Holy Spirit has to do that in me. And so you rest and you stop trying to be perfect. And instead you rest in Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to perfect you over time. There's a rest here in this. And, and I, I want to take you to um, a scripture uh, in the New Testament, a story that, that the, it told in the Gospels about two women, Mary and Martha. It's a very famous, well-known, you know, in, in Christian circles. Jesus shows up uh, and visits a friend's house, and a lot of the disciples and a lot of people come to this house, and there were two sisters that lived in this house. And one was named Martha, and one was named Mary. And Jesus showed up, and he began to just kind of teach. And Martha, now I, I want you to... I want you to, because this is a lot of our lives. This was me for many years. Martha, okay, Jesus is here. Jesus is teaching, and I've got to do a whole bunch of stuff. All right, I've, I've got to clean the house. I've got to work in the kitchen. I've got to cook the food. I've got to get everything done. I've got to prepare all this stuff. I've got to be a good host for Jesus. You know, I've got to, I've got to prepare. You know, I've got to be ready. I've got to do all this work. I get all this stuff. So Martha's literally just busy and just working and putting all this stuff on her back and just going. And her sister, Mary, was just literally sitting on the ground at Jesus' feet, basically like in the living room area, just sitting there, sitting at Jesus' feet, spending time with Jesus, resting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, trusting Jesus. And Martha and Mary, they're handling this moment two incredibly different ways, polar opposite, actually. Martha's busy, 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 working, working, working. Mary's not doing anything except resting at the feet of Jesus. Martha comes in and starts complaining to Jesus and says, why don't you make Mary come work and help 
and be busy like I'm being busy because I'm in here putting forth all this effort, trying to make everything good, trying to make everything right, trying to make everything what it needs to be. And she's just in there resting and doing nothing. And Jesus makes the statement and he says, Martha, there are many, many things to worry about. There's many things to work on. There's many things that can be accomplished. There's a whole bunch of things in life that you can choose to go do. And he makes this statement. He says, but, but Martha, there's only one thing that really matters. That's it. And Mary knows the one thing. Mary knows what it is. And that's me. And that's my, my relationship with you. It's my words. It's, it's my spirit. It's my relationship with me. It's, it's me, Martha. And Mary has the one thing. She knows the one thing. So Mary's not wasting her energy and wasting her time on things that really don't matter because she knows the thing that matters the most is me. She knows, Martha, that I'll provide for her. She knows that I'm not going to let my child go hungry. She knows that, that, that she, she's heard the stories and believes them, that when there was just a few loaves of bread and a few fish, that I pr provided enough out of that to feed 5,000 people. So Mary knows that she doesn't have to go in here and cook and work and do all this stuff, that if she's with me and she's mine, that I'll provide what she needs. And, and so Jesus takes a second to really speak kind of heavy into Martha's life and I think into all of our lives as well and say that you could spend your life doing so much, but there's really only one thing that matters, and that's your relationship with Jesus. And what Jesus is trying to get us to understand in that moment is the same thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to understand in Hebrews 4, and that is trying to get us to teach us in so many other areas of Scripture, is that we have a rest available to us, and that if we will seek Him and make our effort about being with Him and resting in Him and 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 spend our, our work and our resources and our time going after him and sitting at his feet. Jesus makes these promises in so many different ways. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness, and I'll give you all these other things, meaning all the things that you need, the clothes on your back, the food on the table, the money that you need to live and work on, the job that you need. If you seek me first and my righteousness. You sit at my feet, and I'll provide all this other stuff for you. He says, you, you trust me, and I'll fight the battles. I... Don't, don't take the vengeance upon yourself. Let the vengeance be mine. If you get, he goes, basically, if you, if you put together God's word, he says, someone slaps you, just turn the other cheek. Let them slap you again because I'll, I'll go after them. He says, I'm your father. I'll discipline them. I'll go after them. I'll take, literally, there's a scripture that says, don't, don't take the opportunity for God to have vengeance and, and, and revenge for you by taking revenge yourself. You go through and you look at every avenue of scripture, you're going to see the same principle play out over and over and over again in so many different ways, but it's all basically this thing. Let your effort be towards me. Let your effort be towards Jesus, towards God. This is God's talking. Let your effort be towards me. Let your work be towards me. Let me take care of everything else. If you will work and make an effort to rest in me, I'll take care of everything else in your life. And I know this goes so far against what is natural to us, but there's a power in this. And so for this, this second part of this, I want you to know that, that the effort that we need to make the most in life, the effort that we need to put forth, the work that we need to do the most is about entering into the rest of Jesus, entering into the, the, the peace of Christ and allowing God to truly be that living and active God that he promises that he is and will be in our lives if we give them the opportunity to. You don't need to work to provide. God says, work to be with me and I'll provide everything you need. And I, I'm a, I could go through story for story in my own life 
and story after story in scripture, but I, I just want to tell you, I'm telling you, I've seen this at work in my life, in my personal life, in my marriage, in my family, with my kids, in the church. I've lived for many years like Martha, and I've lived for many years feeling like I need, God's given me a back. God's given me, I need to go out and I need to provide for myself and I need to work and I need to be driven and I need to get this stuff and I need to do this and I need to be the man. You know, God's given me life. God saved me and I need to make every second count. I've had all of these things, but most of those things sound good, but they're not the gospel. They sound good, but they're not the gospel. The gospel is, I'm going to be your provider. So trust me. I'm going to be your provider. All you're going to have to do is go out and get the manna I provide for you. All you're going to have to do is manage what I give you. All you have to do is rest in me. I'll provide. I'll protect. I'll lead. This is the message. This is, this is to we, the effort. And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's difficult. It's, it's hard work learning how to rest in God. There's a lot of effort because the work is this. The effort is really this. The effort is stop working so much in the things that don't matter. Stop giving so much of your mind in the form of worry and anxiousness and stress. Stop giving so much of your time and your effort and your physical energy and your emotional energy and your spiritual energy trying to be perfect, trying to provide for yourself, trying to live up to this, trying to protect yourself, trying to control everything, trying to handle all this stuff. All of that stuff that we struggle with, all of that stress, all of that anxiousness, that's the work. The work is to work on stopping all of that and spending time with God and entering into the rest of God and trusting God in our day-to-day -day lives. And I can promise you, because I've walked through this, it's hard and it's so hard at the beginning and it stays hard for a little while, but then it gets easier. And the more you trust and the more you let God lead, he'll lead you. The more you let him provide, he'll provide for you. And the more you experience those, his protection, and the more you experience that and believe in that, the more you'll come to trust him, the more you'll come to rest in him. And over time, over time, you'll really start to live in true, genuine rest in this life. And it's a powerful thing. I'm telling you, I'm not fully there. I don't think we'll ever fully be there. There's always this effort we have to, we have to make to stay in that rest. But even if you live in it for a single second, you will never stop chasing it because there's just a power in it, knowing that God is, is the king, knowing that it's finished, knowing that it's accomplished, and that we the effort that we need to make is to rest in him and to stop doing all this other stuff. So pray through this. We got part three. Don't miss part three. Part three is epic. It's powerful. It's going to kind of tie the whole thing together, and it's going to really speak to the deeper issue of why we can't rest. Uh, up here trying to give you a hint in our minds so i love you guys share this comment on this just send me a message comment down below tell me if this meant something to you tell me what what'd you learn i'd love to see that i'd love to hear that love you guys with all my heart praying for you every day share this get it out if god did something in your life with it he'll do something in someone else's love you guys